add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare Looking after you always Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry Hello and welcome to Real Health with me Carl Henry in association with Leia Healthcare Folks, on this week's show we're taking a look at how we can improve our mental strength by challenging our inner critic understanding what drives our behaviours and how we can successfully hit our goals by focusing on the journey and not the end result. I'm joined by podcast hosts and health and wellness coach Pat Dively. Pat's new book, Fit Mind, brings readers through an eight-week program for tuning into, examining and mastering our inner voice. Pat, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Thank you, Carl. I think it's my third time with you on the show. I think that's a record. I think you're the first guest I've ever had on three times, but you've got so much content to tell us that it'd be rude not to. Uh, Absolutely. So how's life? Life is good. Uh, life is good. I think we feel, well, I feel like I'm an, we're emerging out of what we've been through the last two years. So it feels nice to be getting some normality again. And um, yeah, life is good. You? Yeah, all is good. How have the last two years been for you? How have you found it? It's been tough at times. Um, I think everyone went through their own unique experience, I suppose. In the first couple of months, I was probably a bit um, cocky and thinking that oh this is okay I'm used to dealing with uncertainty I, I'm you know I know how to manage my self-care all these kind of things so it kind of hit me more a year in I would say I really started struggling then with isolation and loneliness and this was my challenge was living alone for the two years um, so peaks and troughs like everyone else but I definitely feel I've emerged having learned a lot more about myself and uh, I always find the work I do on myself supports me in helping other people so ups and downs well, I think I think we've all been through a similar journey. You know, it's been challenging, absolutely. I think we've all come out of it having learned a little bit more about ourselves, which is, you know, it's a positive thing. Getting to know yourself, even especially in tough times, that can be mm. a really good thing. Yeah, a forced initiation. There's this idea of initiation, which is where we, I suppose, go through a challenge in life and we're forced to grow. And sometimes we don't follow the call, and we just kind of get stuck in suspended initiations. We get caught in a loop. I think this has kind of forced us to maybe re-examine. I see a lot of people re-examining, you know, what's next for them. And that's exciting. And similar for myself, I suppose I'm reassessing, you know, what I was doing before all of this and how I'm going to emerge from it. I don't want to go back to doing certain aspects of, you know, the way I was living. I would like to be traveling a little less. I'm just conscious of, you know, not falling back into busyness for the sake of busyness. So trying to take the lessons. And one of the things before COVID and, you know, a long, long time ago, you were a PT for, for years. You've already started mm. your career then and mm. you worked with people who are successful in life and they all had lots of similar goals. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, when I started out in fitness, I suppose I was 21, 22. I had done a master's in nutrition and I was a little bit naive in thinking that I'm going to go into the fitness industry. I'm going to hand people plans and they're going to change their lives. And as you know, there's more to health than just handing someone a plan. And so the more time I spent in the fitness industry, the wider my kind of perspective of health became. So sleep became a concern, uh, stress became a concern. And over time, you know, certain elements of the fitness space appealed to me more. And the self-talk piece was really interesting to me, uh, not just from a professional standpoint, but also in my personal life. Um, I didn't speak very kindly to myself most of the time. 
And when I look back at my 20s, most of my behavior was driven from insecurity and fear and not feeling good enough and always having a story in my head that I need to do more to be accepted and to be loved. And so, yeah, as I say, the self-talk piece was really interesting to me. I recognized I could have 100 clients getting the same plan and the same support, but some were thriving and others just weren't. They were caught in a loop. And I always found it okay with fitness because that was my passion. I was able to stay consistent, but there was definitely areas of my life where I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't seem to make it stick. Uh, so that prompted me to study meditation and cognitive behavioral therapy and go in different directions. I was the goal setting guy for a while. And, you know, as I think you alluded to in the intro, I was very much about the destination. I want to get there. I'll be happy when I get there. And so I spent most of my 20s chasing. And now in my wise 30s, <laughs> I'm starting to recognize the need to slow down to the speed of life and enjoy the journey. Still have those goals and still have a bit of a focus, but not become, I suppose, um, a slave to my goals, not put my happiness in the future all the time. I think life is too short. And, you know, around now, people are looking at goals in terms of physical, uh, in terms of food goals, but the me that mental fitness component is mm. possibly the most important of all. And in terms of they're far more likely to succeed when they look at their mental fitness and try to improve that too, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. And again, particularly with these challenging two years, there's been so much uncertainty outside of ourselves that I think the only place we can find that certainty is within. And that comes from our actions. It comes from our self-talk. It comes from how we navigate difficult emotions. Um, and so, you know, I use the concept of a fit mind and people often ask, what is a fit mind? To me, a fit mind is an open mind and it's a flexible mind and it's, um, it's a resilient mind and resilient doesn't mean tough and nitty gritty. Resilient means I can find perspective in difficult moments. I can find choice. I can be compassionate with myself. Um, I don't close off to seeing the world in a certain way. So an unfit mind, if you will, which is what I would say I've had for plenty of my life, is the mind that believes all of its stories and believes the inner critic all the time, loses perspective, judges himself and judges other people. And so by improving our mental fitness, our emotional fitness, I think what that does for us, it, it allows us to have separation so that when a difficult thought emerges, I don't blindly believe it. I have tools there that I can question it. Um, and this is not toxic positivity where I'm saying everything's perfect but I don't get dragged down by this story in my head that says I'm not good enough. I can notice that story. I can have a bit of perspective from it and then I can choose, am I going to rewrite this story or am I going to, you know, um, be a victim to it? Okay. So it's, it's, I suppose it's a toolkit enabling you to step back and, yeah. and, and deal with what's in front of you as opposed to getting caught up in it. Yeah. And I think that's become increasingly difficult for a society where we're just driven by so much noise and distraction and such a fast pace of life. Um, we're taking on a lot. I, I'm, I'm conscious sometimes when I say we, because I should speak for myself, I take on a lot of noise. Maybe some people don't, so I don't want to speak for those people, but I know I take on a lot of noise. And when I take on too much distraction and noise and information and you know what a blessing to live in an age where we can get so much information, but it can also become a poison. You know, every medicine becomes a poison at a certain point. And I think the, the potential poison is that when we take on too much external noise, we start to lose that internal voice that has clarity as to what we want from our own lives. Um, we can also lose that ability to, to find perspective because finding perspective requires taking a step back and taking a few breaths and saying, what do I want to do next? How do I want to approach this situation? And in a fast paced world, it can seem scary to take a step back. You know, back in the 70s and 80s when religion was maybe um, more in vogue, if you will. I don't know if that's the way to put it. I think there was probably more emphasis put on the importance of contemplation, of 
um, you know, consideration for your life and, and just uh, slowing down. You write in the book about our brains and how they're wired for survival rather than trying to be happy. I'm intrigued by that. Tell me more. There's a there's a concept of try on brain theory, and I just found this fascinating. It made so much sense to me as to why sometimes I say I want something and I do the complete opposite. Uh, and again, I saw this with clients for years with the New Year's resolutions. So the try on brain theory rests on the idea that the brain will have developed over time. The oldest part of the brain is the reptilian brain. And reptilian brain is where our survival mechanisms live. So when a car pulls out in front of me on the road and I get that shock or that fright, I go very quickly to my reptilian brain and all that matters in that moment is survival. So I'll jump out of the way. I'll, I'll run away or I'll fight, fight or flight. Um, built upon that, reptilian brain is the mammalian brain. And the mammalian brain's primary concern is connection and attachment. I want to be loved. I want to be accepted. I want to feel a part of a tribe. And then on top of the mammalian brain is the human mind. So this is creativity and logic. This is the part of the, the brain that plans for the future, sets goals, finds perspective, all of these things. Now, these three parts of the brain have very different motivations. The oldest part of the brain just wants to survive. The mammalian brain just wants to fit in and be accepted. The human mind is where all, our, all of our goals live. And a mentor told me years ago that if you want to get to the human, you've got to look after the animals. And that made a lot of sense to me. So I've got to create a sense of safety within myself where I don't feel like life is a battle. We can do that through meditation, through exercise, through time in nature. So that's looking after that reptilian brain and recognizing that when I get agitated or I get anxious, I need to calm things down. The uh, social aspect of the brain, we can uh, look after that part by having healthy connections and healthy relationships in our life. And when we feel safe within ourselves and safe within our environment, then we can go to setting goals and moving forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me about journaling then. So you've been journaling for a long time. It's trendy probably now. It's quite cool. <laughs> There's head plan journals and lots of other journals uh, around. Uh, it is very beneficial for people for their health. Yeah. Um, to me, it's that contemplation element. So um, it's very easy. I mean, what the mind does is the mind makes judgments. You know, I, I, I meet someone new and I make a judgment about them. I like them or I don't like them. They're good or they're bad. They're right or they're wrong. The um, mind is very binary at times. So things are black or white, up or down, good or bad, right or wrong. And we lose the perspective. I think this is one of the biggest issues in the world globally today. You know, people are good people or bad people based on their decisions. Um, and we lose that gray area. And how that might translate to ourselves is black and white thinking leads to us thinking we're either a success or a failure. You know, if I fall off my diet at all, I'm a failure all of a sudden. Well, I'm not a failure, really. And I can find that perspective through a journal by reflecting on my wins. So the journaling for me allowed me to start having conversations with myself where I could find the gray area in between. I could find more um, I could get, get to more detail um, in my life. So I always say if, if myself and yourself are to uh, build a friendship, it requires taking time for each other. It requires being present, not being on our phones in front of each other. And it requires having new conversations. We're not going to have the same conversation every day and expect to develop as friends. Um, but then our friendship to ourselves, I think, requires the same three principles. Do I take time for myself? Am I present with myself where there's no distraction? And do I have new conversations with myself? The journal for me allows me to have new conversations just by asking new questions, reflecting on yesterday, planning today. It can look a million different ways, but it's really changed my life. What would you say to people who would say, listening to this, that I'm too busy? I don't have time to. This all sounds great in theory because like, I can hear our listeners in my head. They're going to be saying, they're getting on to me. But like, you know, how does he do it? I'm really busy. I don't have time. What do you say to them? My, my initial response was going to be the Dalai Lama, I think, has a quote that says, 
if you don't have time to meditate for an hour, you need to meditate for two. But I won't give that response. <laughs> I, I do look back. I, I mean, I wrote a book about goal setting back in 2016. And I remember reading reviews that said it's a bit naive what he's suggesting here. Like we've got family and we've got we've got kids and like we don't, no one's going to have time to do this. And I was naive at the time, you know, I was in my mid 20s. I didn't have any other priorities. Um, and so my suggestion now would be do what you can. Um, do not compare yourself to anyone else and think that it has to look a certain way. Start where you can, do what you can. Start where you are, do what you can. So, you know, um, I oftentimes suggest five minutes of meditation in the morning, five minutes in the evening. So that's 10 minutes of the day. Um, if that can be the starting point, it's kind of like fitness, right? If you see a bit of a win in the gym, suddenly it's not something you have to do. It's something you're excited to do. So I think similarly, if you start small with any of this self-awareness work, be it journaling or meditation or anything else, um, you see the benefits, you build momentum. Uh, I've seen one journal, there's, as you say, there's so many different journals, but I've seen one and I think it's called the one sentence journal or something. And they're encouraging you to sit down and write one sentence in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, you know, similar, you might you might keep going. Um, so start where you are, do what you can. Um, if there was one journaling tool, journaling specific that I was going to give to people that I think would really support them, it's to sit down in the evening and ask yourself three questions. Ask, what were my wins today? and try to write down three wins, no matter how big or small. And then follow up that question by asking, why are these wins relevant? That kind of adds an emotional component. So I don't just say a win was going to the gym. I say, when I go to the gym, why is it relevant? Improves my mental health, my emotional health. It's a social outlet, makes me feel fit. That affects my confidence. So what were my wins? Why were they relevant? And then the third and final question is, how can I build upon these wins? And that kind of gives you your next step. That can really help develop your confidence quite quickly. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. We're chatting to the fabulous Pat Dively. All things mind and fit mind. And a really interesting chat so far, I think you'll have to agree. One of the things I'm intrigued by is the fact that when people set goals and targets, right? And I see this with clients all the time. They think that when they get to the goal or target, that's the, the holy grail where they're eternally happy. And that's where happiness lives. And more often than not, that's not the case. Yeah. There's a concept called hedonic adaptation. I think hedonic adaptation tells us that irrespective of how good or how bad things get in life, generally it comes back to a fairly even uh, baseline. And so it's the idea that we think if we win the lotto, we'll be happy. We'll have a couple of days where we're over the moon. In all and fairness, then, yeah. somebody won 19 million of, of your <laughs> neck of the woods. Sure, they're fairly happy. <laughs> they're, they are now. Get them back on the podcast in a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll prove it. <laughs> um, but it's this idea. I, th I think we've all had it. I mean, I know you've done endurance. You know, you've, you've done your marathons and Ironman and all these different things. And, and similarly, I'm sure there's the idea that once I get to this point, everything's going to fall into place. Um, well, yeah, unquestionably. And particularly with, with, with long, and I, I've been through that too. I get that. With long endurance athletes, they think that, you know, that they are... They, and the Ironman thing is an addiction and it's an addiction because you're running, you're, you're running from everything basically. And you're immersed <laughs> in this thing and you think, okay, you know, when I do, when I do sub whatever, I'll be ecstatic. You're not, you're, you're, you're running away from lots and that, that, that's often the case, you know? Yeah. And I suppose then the counter argument, when we talk about this, people might say, well, why would I have any goals at all? Um, so I, I, I think there's a, there's almost a continuum. There's, there's people that have no goals and kind of have, um, aren't happy now. There's people that, I'm not even going to get into it because I'll, I'll get confused myself. But I know in my 20s, it was always, I'll be happy when. And then I got so burnt out with chasing goals that I said, I'm not going to bother with goals at all. And then I was kind of drifting and I was just a little bit losing focus and struggling. So I think the happy medium is having a target, 
but acknowledging every day the progress you've made toward the target. That's where the magic lives, is again sitting down in the evening saying, six months from now, I hope to run a marathon, but the wins today were drinking more water, doing a 5K run, and catching up with a friend for lunch. This way I'm on track, but I'm also recognizing, I often say it's almost like uh, if a child comes home from school and says, I achieved all these things today, and the parent's response is to say, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? And they constantly prompt the child what's next the child is going to have an implicit belief that nothing I ever do is good enough and I'm never going to be good enough for my parents similar for ourselves we could do a hundred things in the day but oftentimes we've got that tendency to move the goalposts and expect more of ourselves the next day so by all means have goals have targets have plans but don't forget to give yourself a pat on the back every evening because um, that's where your confidence lives let's chat about one of the things that often impact people's goals uh, the constant comparison of life that we now live in. And I'm totally guilty of this. I I, I sit and scroll through Instagram. I see someone doing something like, geez, I'd love to be in Portugal or or, or the Maldives or wherever people are. I've, you know, people have been traveling loads. I'm, I've been here holding my couch, working from my back my back garden. And like, geez, I should be doing that or whatever. You know, I think we all do it. And I, I think that there's very few people who don't, but I'm intrigued in terms of the advice for people who, listening in who do that. And that, because it can often derail people from their targets and their goals. Mm, and I do it too. <laughs> so I should, anyway. <laughs> um, a couple of things, I suppose, for me, I definitely recognize the, just to be blunt, the toxic relationship I have with um, social media. I just, I don't think it serves me. So I'm trying to use it less and less. Um, it, it, some people are probably great with social media. I just don't find it empowers me. Sometimes I have an icky feeling in my stomach and I don't know, there's nothing explicitly has happened, but I've just spent 20 minutes scrolling the newsfeed and I don't feel good in myself. So I would maybe consider where is the where does the comparison live and can I kind of mitigate a bit of that? I think that's one thing. The other thing I think is we talked about black and white thinking and kind of the importance of perspective. I think it's important to, um, my dad said to me years ago, the problem with your generation is you go to Thailand and you're coming back on the plane and you look at Instagram and your friends on in Bali and you feel like you've missed out. So he said, you're always kind of, again, you're always measuring yourself against other people. I think it's important to find perspective so um, there's pros and cons with staying in Ireland and working from your back garden. There's pros and cons with being in Portugal. And I think just to, to balance them out, you know, the person who travels the world, uh, the, the, the pro is they're traveling the world and having an exciting adventure. The con is probably back home. The friends they grew up with, they're getting closer. Maybe they're meeting partners. So there's always, I think you have to weigh up. Again, a lot of us live in fantasy land that I'll be happy when everything's going to fall into place. Or we look back with nostalgia, thinking when I was in school, everything was so easy. And um, we have this kind of out of um, balance thinking. So I know the happiest days of my life, there was challenges there. Um, I also know the most challenging days of my life, there was good things there. So I think, again, the journal might be one way of catching myself. Where am I comparing myself? Um, what's my resentment toward that situation? And what are the positives of the situation I'm in? Could be a useful tool. Chat to me around confidence then. So a lot of people would love to have more confidence and find, you know, when they get, they, they feel better and their confidence begins to increase. But chat to me around tips for people to improve their confidence. Mm. Um, I did a talk a couple of years ago. I can't remember where, I think it was in Cork. And uh, at the end of the talk, there was a chance to ask questions and a girl stood up in front of 400 people and she cried into a microphone and she said, I have no confidence, I can't find confidence. And I was struck in that moment by the fact that she was speaking into a microphone in front of 400 people. And I thought 399 people in this room see confidence in someone that speaks in front of a room full of people. 
So the reason I, I mentioned that is that I think sometimes we have a misconception as to what confidence is. So maybe I see a famous athlete or a famous singer and they seem really confident. And I say, for me to feel confident, I've got to look like that. But confidence is different to every person. I think to your question of what specifically can we do, that piece on recognizing your mini wins is really, really important. Um, if we think about confidence, confidence comes from certainty. Um, if I'm certain about something, I can be confident in it. If I'm uncertain, it's hard to be confident. And then we think about where most people look for their confidence. It's in the future. They think when I get somewhere, I'll be confident. The future is uncertain. So what that tells us is we can only find confidence in the past where we have certainty. Hope that's not too nerdy and I hope that makes sense. But again, I sit down in the evening and I ask myself, what did I do well today? Um, I also ask myself other questions in the, I and I don't spend my whole life asking myself questions. I'm starting <laughs> to sound like that, but I, I, I ask things like, what did I learn today and how can I build upon it? I ask myself, what, uh, yeah, what did I learn is a really good question as well. You find confidence there because sometimes we make mistakes in life and we beat ourselves up about them and we get caught in shame rather than stopping saying, what can I learn from this situation? and taking the lesson. I think you can get confidence in that too. So reflective work in general, I think breeds confidence. And I suppose the other thing really worth mentioning is I often talk about the stretch zone and the stretch zone is the idea that we often hear about the comfort zone. Uh, comfort zone is where we're not being challenged in life. And this can lead to um, feelings of apathy, feeling a bit disconnected, feeling a bit flat. We think about um, maybe starting a new job and you've got to meet new colleagues and learn new processes and it's all challenging but exciting and then after a couple of months you just kind of fall into a rut disguised as a routine so sometimes being in the comfort zone for a while we think i want to shake it up and we take on some big changes and we jump into what i call the panic zone and it's all a bit too much and so we quickly revert back to where we were before and i think between those two states there's the stretch zone so i'm stretching myself a little bit beyond what's currently possible for me so i'm challenged really simple example if i can do five push-ups that's my comfort zone if I do five a day for the next year, I don't get anywhere because it's too, too basic for me and I'll just get bored. If I go to an enthusiastic personal trainer and they get me doing 200 on my first day when I can currently do five, I'm not going to be able to move for about a month. And so the challenge is, can I do six today? And that gives me a bit of confidence because I say, well, yesterday I was doing five, today I'm doing six. Um, so stretch zone and recognizing your progress, I think, are the two main steps. So... We've chatted about lots of stuff for people, I think. And obviously the whole idea of having you on is to chat about the book, but also in terms of people's mental health and mental fitness, about having that, that fit mind. If I was to ask you for three simple takeaways for people, in case they are a bit scared or in case they say, oh, like I said, they're too busy, don't have time, whatever. Three simple takeaways they can pull from the episode in terms of what they should be doing over the course of the next, say, seven days between this episode and the next one. What would they be? Yeah. Um, the first thing will be, you know, um, when we think of the mind, we often think of what's going on in our head. Um, but a, a, a better way of thinking about the mind and thinking about mental wellness is to think about how the body impacts the mind. Uh, the breath is the bridge between body and mind. So if my body is in an agitated state due to lack of sleep, due to stress, due to too much caffeine, due to um, fear-based, you know, experiences, uh, when my body is under threat, my mind feels unstable and feels uh, scared. So the quickest way of creating a feeling of safety within your body is through the breath. So I would encourage people for the next seven days, set a timer for five minutes and breathe in through your nose 
and then just breathe out through your nose twice as long. So if I breathe in for three, I breathe out for six. If I breathe in for four, I breathe out for eight. When we breathe slowly and we breathe for an extended exhale, we send a signal to the body and the mind that we're relaxed. That would be tip number one. Five minutes, set a timer, double up on your exhale. That will make a huge difference to all aspects of your life. Um, second tip would be what we've talked about. Um, sit down in the evening, ask yourself, what did I do well today? Um, why are these things relevant and how can I build upon them? And tip number three, continue listening to the Carl Henry podcast. Shameless plug. I think tip number three, um, maybe, you know, based on that, be conscious of your media consumption. We talked about how we can both fall into aimlessly scrolling and feeling bad about ourselves um, or, or judging other people, whatever it might be. Maybe just being a bit more conscious. Um, it might seem a bit too clinical or too, planning too much, but maybe sit down on a Sunday and think about what media do I want to consume this week? Um, if I'm going to sit down in front of Netflix for a couple of hours, what will I watch? Because if I don't plan it, maybe I'll just fall into um, reactive. And we often think of food as the, 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 the things that we consume in our body. Um, but food is also what we consume in our mind. Uh, it, it, there's a digestion process. It's like when you watch a horror film and you have a nightmare that night. Um, when we're consuming media, it is having an impact um, beyond what we see in the moment. As ever, it's great catching up. I always love when we have chats. They're always nice and deep and they're kind of fascinating. We drift <laughs> off into weird places in our head. It's great. Uh, remind us again the name of the book. Is that in all good bookstores now? I know it was number one bestseller, but just for people who don't know, what was the name of it? Thank you. Uh, yeah, Fit Mind, eight weeks to change your inner soundtrack and tune into your greatness. So of course, not promising your whole life's going to change in eight weeks, but hopefully it can arm you with a couple of tools that can support you with your mental and emotional wellness. Pat, the very best of luck with the book and look forward to catching up in person for a coffee or a bit of lunch very, very soon. Folks, that's it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, we are back next week for more Real Health. You know where we are, at Carl Henry PT on Instagram. We're not on Twitter anymore because lots of angry people live there. And it's realhealth at independent.ie for any emails you want to send. We'll see you next week for more Real Health. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.